Law and Liberty. This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to download this book or purchase a physical copy. Law and Liberty. Russus J. Rushdoony. Copyright 1984 and 2009. Alicito, California. Chapter 14. Law and Property. Before there can be any possibility of a just social order, there must be a true understanding of property and its meaning. Property rights are seriously challenged in our day by socialism, and they are attacked as a roadblock to human rights. Socialists are not against property as such. They are hostile to private property, and they transfer all or most property rights to the state Biblical law speaks very clearly about property. First of all, it declares that all property, the earth itself and all creation, belongs to God. God declared to Israel that, quote, All the earth is mine, Exodus 19.5, I am God, every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. The wild beasts of the forest is mine, the world is mine, and the fullness thereof, end quote. Psalm 57, 10-12 The New Testament restates this principle, quote, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, end quote, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, 28, quote, All things are of God, end quote, 2 Corinthians 5, 18. God is thus the absolute Lord over all property, and therefore his law governs all property. Second, God established man in the possession of property under God as a basic aspect of the life of the family and as an essential of the economy of the family. Two of the Ten Commandments govern property. Quote, Thou shalt not steal, end quote, and quote, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor anything that is thy neighbor's, end quote, Exodus 20, 15 and 17. Third, God made property man's basic earthly security. And a man's home is his castle in God's law. The Bible did not have any provision for any property tax. Indeed, it saw it only as a form of tyranny, tyranny and confiscation, 1 Samuel 8, 7-18. The only tax God required or permitted on property was the tithe to God. The property tax is thus properly God's tax and a voluntary tax, depending on man's faith and obedience. Originally, None of the American states permitted a property tax, and all were hostile to it. On November the 8th, 1966, Nebraska voters, abolished state, Nebraska voters abolished state property taxes and rejected also a state income tax. In biblical law, laws of inheritance were not state laws, but family laws, and their purpose was twofold. To protect the family and to protect the property. Because the state could not tax property, a man was secure in his land, home and possessions, in good times and bad. Fourth, the biblical law protected the family and property as an essential unit. Rand has noted, quote, The law of God abounds with safeguards placed around the family, protecting the family, keeping it pure from pollution and punishing those who violate the sanctity of the home. No property rights were more rigidly guarded and protected than the rights of man and wife, with the death penalty pronounced upon adulterers. End quote. The basic principle is this. 
the law protects the family and its property from interference by the state or by an adulterous person. The family depends on property for its material independence and property depends on the family for its meaning and protection. This relationship, although distorted and misrepresented, has been seen by socialists as witness Frederick Engels' study The Origins of the Family, Private Property and the State, 1891. For such men, the abolition of private property requires also the abolition of the family. It is impossible to eliminate the one successfully without eliminating the other. The Bible linked property and family so closely together that a man could not dispose of his property and live off the proceeds and thereby harm his children's inheritance. Leviticus 25:23. The laws protecting property are very many and the Bible gives them central attention. Property was thus protected for the family from the state by being immune from taxation. Property was protected for the family from other persons by strict laws against adultery, which is destructive of the family. Property was further protected for the family from the family itself. The father had no right to spend it on himself or alienate it from the family. Fifth, basic to the law of liberty for man is property. When a man is secure in the possession of his property, he has an area of liberty and dominion that is beyond the reach of other men. If no man and no state can reach in to tax or to confiscate this property, men can enjoy true liberty and great security, whether he be prosperous or poor. Every attack on private property is, therefore, an attack on man's liberty. Man's freedom and security in the possession of his property is not only basic to man's independence, but it is also basic to his power. A man has power if he can act independently of other men and the state, if he can make his stand in the confidence of liberty. Every attack on private property, therefore, is also an attack on the powers of free men as well as their liberty. It follows, therefore, that a transfer of property from man to the state is a transfer of liberty and power from the people to the state. The necessary way for any state to become powerful and totalitarian is to restrict and suddenly or gradually confiscate and abolish private property. No new set of legislators can stop or stem any state's march towards total power if they leave untouched the state's power over property, real property, personal property, the monetary property. No groups of, quote, reform, unquote, politicians have kept their promises unless they set property free from status control and intervention. One reason for the decline of private property in recent years has been the doctrine of evolution. Evolution sees no absolute law of God governing private property. Instead, it sees property as a part of man's evolution out of the primal horde into modern culture. Most evolutionists see property as a late and ugly development. Others see it as a good one. In either case, property has no ultimate and fundamental moral sanction behind it. It is simply a product of evolutionary development and is therefore subject to change. Marxism depends heavily on this evolutionary foundation. For Marxism, the state is man's organisation and power for the maintenance of private property. When the family and private property are abolished, the state will disappear also and communism will replace it. Private property was and is defined as theft by Marxism. 
Marxism sees it as a social necessity to destroy the thieves, the protected classes, to supplant them with communism. In attacking property, Marxism attacks with it not only the family, but God as well. It sees, and correctly so, God, the family, and property as inseparably linked by nature and by law. Every defense of property, therefore, is ineffective and paralyzed if it simply seeks to defend private property without, at the same time, defending the family and Christianity. This is the fallacy of the libertarians who seek to defend private property in isolation from Christian faith and the family. Too often, by this limited approach, they not only begin with two strikes on them, but also more than partially in the enemy's camp. It follows, therefore, as a sixth point, that every attack on private property is also an attack on God, because the one real foundation for private property is the law of God. The Marxists have made little attempt to conceal their war against God and their war against the family and its property. For them, all three must go. Christianity, by establishing God's absolute lordship over the earth and by grounding private property in the word of God, alone gives to private property any real security. The roots of private property grow weak when biblical faith grows weak. Seventh, private property and moral order are closely linked together. When men are governed by God, they are more provident, more inclined to be debt-free, more responsible in their management of their families and affairs, and much more prone to own, cherish and husband property wisely. A high incidence of debt-free property indicates a high degree of godly living, which is both provident and free of covetousness, for it is covetousness that breeds debt living. The basic principle of Scripture is very clear-cut, quote, Owe no man anything but to love one another, end quote, Romans 13, 8. We do not truly own property unless it is debt-free. Debt is, in essence, a form of slavery, and the basic function of private property is to establish us in material liberty. A man who covets property of various kinds but cannot live debt-free is not seeking property in godly terms, but on covetous terms. In Colossians 3.5, St. Paul defines evil covetousness as idolatry, and he declares that it is a sin that we must mortify or destroy in ourselves. Such covetousness seeks to exalt the man and to increase his possessions, but because it grounds itself on sin rather than God's law, it is destructive of both man and property. Those who move in terms of God's word must become the blessed meek, the tamed of God, of whom the psalmist says, quote, The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. End quote. Psalm 37, 11. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, 
will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.